This is The Insecurity Project. If you are looking to solve the insecurity problem in your life, rather than just manage it, mask it or medicate it, you have come to the right place. This is the home of high-quality content and conversations about how to overcome insecurity. If you can do that, it's not just good for you, it's not just good for your friends and family, it's good for the world, so it's kind of important. There's some work to do here, but let's go do this work together. Now on to today's show. Well, hello, folks. You're on another episode of the Insecurity Project with Jamin. I have the great privilege of interviewing Brian Grasso and Carrie Campbell, all the way from the US of A. Uh, been <laughs> tracking these guys down for ages. Uh, I uh, reference them in my book. You, you might be familiar with the four A's of, of transformation. Um, I love the idea of referencing the source, and, and here we have the source with us today. So can't wait to chat to these guys about that model. But um, first, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for being here. Oh, this is what an honor. Thank you Thanks so much for, for having us <laughs> and being so patient while you got a schedule. Yes. Or hard to schedule. Um, no, it's a, it's a real treat to have you. Uh, so look, I, I'm so fascinated with all my guests who are doing great things in the world as to where they start their journey. So um, often people imagine, oh, you know, they must've had a great childhood or they must've had it easy. Or often when we look at successful people, we kind of rationalize why we couldn't be successful like that. So I'm always fascinated by the start and where you came from and, and specifically the way insecurity played a part in your early journeys and, and what you've done to overcome that. So uh, who'd like to go first? You can go first. You got this one first. <laughs> I figured. Yeah, no, it's uh, I think we actually have a uh, very interesting story. If I may say it's um, uh, and I can take this so many different directions, but Referencing insecurity first, I think that's a very, very normal slice of the pie. You know, I mean, it's it's commonplace um, when you have passion to be a maverick and or to create impact in the world, you are going to second guess, you are going to question yourself. So certainly every single one of your listeners should know that there is not a successful person alive who has not experienced that and to some degree still does. And, and for me, that's very, very important because I love the way you phrase that. I mean, I loved it that we can lose sight of everybody else's story so easily, especially if we're contrasting our own. If I'm riddled with second guessing or self-doubt or insecurity, I can look at somebody who's conceivably more successful than me and questioned whether or not they ever felt like I feel. And that, that, can, that can take us away from, from the direction we want to travel. So I love that you started there. We both experienced insecurity and trepidation along the journey. Um, freakishly mm. i would say in the beginning almost non-stop i also think that goes with the territory um but interestingly what helped us get over it oddly is i suppose not oddly really is our own model the eliminate your limits model the more we built that the more we talked about it the more we put it into teaching parameters and practical components the more we taught it the more it started almost osmotically working on us even better. And I think that was a, a follow that we weren't necessarily expecting. Does that, would you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. You know, if I was, if I would think, I mean, I think everybody's lifetime is going to be laced with various different insecurities around various different things. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we could get into the whole, you know, the, the background of the belief on that being influence and so on and so forth. But, you know, I, I think the interesting thing for us was that we recognize, like, if I go back by 10, 11 years, you know, when we started in our business together, 
one of the things that I think is really interesting is that we had insecurities present in very different areas, mm. which was, was fascinating for us to kind of uncover. So Brian's um, insecurities would have presented in the areas of like business and business growth and success, whereas Finan mine, finances, finances yeah. whereas mine were directly related to relationships. So I was never insecure about, you know, would we be able to make money or comparing sure. myself to other people, but inside of our dynamic as, um, you know, not so much as a, a husband and wife, but in a business partnership, I would always second guess myself and, you know, wonder, you know, am I doing good enough for Brian? Is this right? You know, like I had an insecurity there on that level. So one of the things that I'm like Brian said, our whole model being built off of the awareness of those insecurities and how they became a limiting force in our life. And we, you know, really diving into them and being able to turn those around and, and create change there so we could shift to be able to create what we've created. You know, we just talked for like seven minutes. I'm not altogether sure we actually answered the question. <laughs> Did we answer the question? <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, what you said was, was incredibly valuable. So, uh, <laughs> and the, the microphone seems like it's tapping a little bit. There's just a tapping noise coming through. Um, I don't know whether it's bouncing or, or I just want to make sure everyone can hear loud and clear and there's nothing distracting. So uh, that, I'm not going to lean on the table. Uh, that seems like it's fixed it. Perfect. Um, so can we, can we dive into the, the four A's model? Um, I, I found it incredibly valuable and reference it constantly in my own life. And, and with all the clients, I think it provides a beautiful over overview of how anyone has ever changed their life and how, ever, how anyone ever will change their life. So um, I'd, I'd love to hear it from you guys, the source, if you mm -hmm. could unpack that uh, briefly with us this morning, uh, this morning for me, this afternoon for you. That's right. Uh, so uh, yeah, dive in, that, that'd be amazing. Well, I mean, for us, um, our entire system was, was born uh, from conversations that Karen and I would have over the years. Um, it was always very fun for me. My background in so far as mental and physical and emotional performance is in the sporting industry. So I worked with high level athletes from all over the world in varying sports and carries a licensed counselor who, who had a, a very different demographic that she worked with primarily addicts and kids who had special needs and their families. And we'd get to talking almost every night. And sometimes those conversations were going to the wee hours in the morning. Cause I think we were just so fascinated with each other's um, careers and endeavors and processes and all that. And it started folding out that we realized that although we worked with very different demographics for very different purposes, a lot of what we were teaching was philosophically identical. It was being applied differently and for different reasons, but there was a basis to it all. And that's when we started uncovering the basis. And the four A's were born from conversations like that. For example, we, we would often talk about this concept called spiritual bypassing where you know there are, there are kitsch words that we all know and love and love to repeat like um, self-awareness or awareness and th the world seems to be bathing in how aware we all have to be and how aware we are and i meditate for 90 minutes a day so i'm very self-aware but the concept of, of spiritual bypassing implies that you can physically go through all of the motions properly and still not necessarily reap the benefit because you're not present with the experience. It's a deeper layer than just doing the meditation, doing the breath work, doing the observation. And the reason I bring that up as an example is that so much of the self-help and motivation and psychological industries kind of hinge on awareness and self-awareness being the linchpin that once you're self-aware, you can start creating change. And we circumvented that by saying, well, you know what? There's actually something that predates that. 
You have to first accept that the story you told yourself, the perspective you have, isn't necessarily real. And unless or until you can do that, then self-awareness doesn't necessarily matter because, and this is hard science, this is what neurology tells us, you can become self-aware of your own bias, but not recognize that it's bias. Right. Therein lies the problem. So you have to take a step back and first go through a process of accepting that the, the reality you see and believe in isn't necessarily the only reality. Once you can do that, well, now you can move into an awareness kind of matrix. Right. You know, so, well, let me just, let me, for those who are listening, who maybe aren't aware of what the four A's are, mm. let me just list them. Please. Um, so it's, they are acceptance, awareness, accountability, and adaptation. And, you know, really and truly what we, when we're talking about self-actualization and change and, and sustainably creating things in your world, those four things have to be continually present. And so to just kind of add to everything that Brian just said, one of the things that we identify, like when we started building our, our, our model, we started looking at where are the big holes and the big gaps inside of the personal development industry. And one of the things that, I mean, it, it, to this day, you still see it. There are all the breakthrough programs. They are all the, the, the programs that are about coming into awareness, being self-aware, you know, what you name, you name it, it's out there, right? And one of the deficits of that is that, you know, people don't recognize that you really do have to go beyond the breakthrough, right? Awareness is not the moment of change. Awareness is a moment that you have clarity for that untriggered <laughs> moment of time where you're consciously able to have that, right? So that's one side of the spectrum that we observed. So all of these people that Brian's talking about who are walking around claiming to be self-aware, but not aware of the fact that, for example, they're, they don't even know they're biased. They're not accepting that their, their story is not absolute. But then on the complete other side of the spectrum in the personal development industry, what we see is all of the programs that are based around adaptation. You know, let's change yeah. this, let's do this, a 10-step program, a 10-step this, a six-step whatever. And, and the problem with those, you know, those programs is that all individually, they're missing pieces. Right. So the four, um, the, the, the model of simplicity, what we refer to it as in our, in our terms, the four A's really bring it all together. You have to have all four of them. They all work together. And sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, you might have awareness and adaptation and months later might come back and realize a different layer of your story that you didn't even recognize before. So they're, they're constantly evolving. They're constantly working together in unison, but you can't have one without the other if you truly want to yeah. self-actualize. Uh, that's so true. Um, why do you think the first one's the most difficult? I, I would say the way into the process is probably the, the hardest, the acceptance piece. I, I can remember myself when I accepted that all we have was story, it, it ruined me for at least a month. I think I'd, nice. <laughs> I'd gone from such a concrete view of the world. I was like, yeah, I know we have stories, but this is true. Like this happened. This is real. This is concrete. I know this to be true. It's like, well, do you though? And how do you know that it's true? In what ways it's true? Uh, and so that, that world of gray, that world of losing the certainty of the, the, the way that I'd grown up, the beliefs that I'd had uh, was, was devastating. Um, mm -hmm. I imagine that's, that's why it's hard for people because it, it, it's a loss of certainty in many ways. Is that, is that why you think it's so difficult? Yes, absolutely. Um, first of all, there's, there's the mechanics of the brain. There's the actual physical reality of the inner brain. 
the human brain's primary job is your survival. Mm. And survival to you and I uh, is a little bit of a different look than the way the brain looks at survival. So the way the brain looks at survival is primarily homeostasis, meaning um, uh, resistant to change, mm. right? If, if the brain is used to certain patterns and processes and grooves and predictabilities, it feels safe and stable. When we start to alter those things, it goes into overload of alarm. And we can actually go into what's called a neurological threat as a result of changing those stories, changing those truths, uh, learning to accept that other perspectives are possible. So there, there's a very much a, a real rational truth to the physical brain aspect. But then you go into the unconscious mind, which is not physical um, at all, but it certainly exists. And in the unconscious mind, it's a myriad of things we have to understand and they, they kind of operate in order. So for the most part, our influences and experiences have created a perception and that perception bleeds into what, what is classically known as a belief system. Our belief system drives our expectations and that's what drives everything else. But that belief system is kind of the embedded part of the unconscious. We believe what we believe to be true. And it's the most fascinating thing because you can provide evidence to people. You can show them evidence to the contrary and they will still argue. They will still fight. It's not because they're jerks and it's not because they are ill-tempered. It really is because the belief system of the unconscious is rudimentally the hardest thing in the world to change. And the human brain has its own homeostatic safety nets that it wants to keep in place. So those two factors are always on a push-pull that's trying to keep everything stable, including our stories. And, and you, just to add to that, you know, it, it ties into the third A, accountability, right? right? Because there, one of the things that, like you said, you, it wrecked you for a week, right? I, I a remember, month. A, a month, month right? <laughs> I remember, I can, I can still remember to this day where I was, everything about the moment when I truly, truly understood the acceptance part of it, that there is no truth. There's no absolute truth and everything's a story. And the best way for me to define that moment was it was the, the scariest moment of my life, but the most liberating moment of my life at the same time. And, and I didn't really know what to do with that information. Um, because when you, when you step into true acceptance, you really don't have much of a choice, but then to step into accountability because it's really easy to be held back by our limiting beliefs and blame the story, blame the circumstance, blame the country we live in, blame the parents we were raised by. It's a lot harder to say, oh, but this doesn't have to be absolutely true and I can change it because now we have to step into that accountability space and actually do something about it. And, you know, if I were to look at one of the greatest challenges that human beings are presented with nowadays, that would be it. The lack of personal responsibility, but not because, not because people don't want to have it, but we've been so conditioned by our belief system mm. that we don't even recognize it's available to us. Can I jump in and say one more thing? Because I think it puts the cherry on top of the proverbial Sunday of what we both said. Sure. One of the things about our four A's that I particularly love and I love to teach um, is this. So there's four of them, obviously, and we start with acceptance, you know, accepting that a different perspective, a different story is possible. Now we move into self-awareness or just awareness where we start to look at what are the stories that we're keeping? Mm. 
what other stories that potentially were missing. And then we move into accountability, which is now that we know there are other opportunities, there are potentials, other perspectives, we have to hold ourselves accountable to maintaining the ones we want. And that's, and, a, and that's an important distinction too with that accountability piece. You really, it's accountability to yourself. It's accountability to the idea that, that you're the storyteller. You're, you're, you're the one with the pen yes. writing these stories. It's not, you're not looking for someone to hold you accountable. You're holding yourself accountable. Exactly. Right. Yes. Right. And, and the way the fourth A kind of migrates through all that adaptation, this is one of the biggest differences between our system and most self-help. So we, we have drawn a lot from various uh, aspects of spirituality, but especially philosophy and, and building our model and Taoism as a, as a philosophical spiritual essence, we've pulled a lot from. And the fourth A is remnants of Taoism. And here's how. Most self-help is all about creating what you want. What we're trying to explain that if you actually take the pen and you actually assume the mantle of the storyteller, you actually be accountable to the stories you're telling and the ones you don't want to tell. You really hold on to that accountability. Adaptation happens all by itself. It's a passive process. You don't have to actively create things. I don't mean not to sound manifestation woo-woo nonsense. Yeah, sure. But I think your listeners would be very surprised to realize how much their actions, habits, and behaviors start to align to the right stories that they're now telling. I think that's profound. And I think about Stephen Covey, uh, I think his finest contribution to the space was the observation that everything is created twice. Mm. And I don't know if you're familiar with that observation of his, but the, the first creation in the unseen world, either by design or by default, and the second creation is merely the manifestation of what you've already created. So I think yeah. that's exactly what you're saying. Our life already is the adaptation of of the way we understand story and yeah. the stories we're living out of. So if you, change the story um you cannot not experience that show up differently mm. in the world um yeah so so yeah, good I, I, the great, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you can i just give the greatest example that i have of that at the top of my mind right now is i have a client that i worked with i've been working with for three years now this client came to me um for the behavior of being an alcoholic but highly insecure self-loathing etc cetera, etc cetera. He has absolutely no idea what our system is like at all. He just, he told me, just tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. And he is, he has done exactly that. And he is three years sober, or as he puts it, three years happily sober, because that's the power of the way the process works. The science of the brain and the, the, the unconscious mind just will flow to create that new story. And therefore those ad adaptations, it just, it works if you just do the work. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's so exciting. I, I like you have an aversion to behavior management. It seems like a lot of the change models are all around focusing right. entirely on, well, this is the action to change the product. This is what you're trying to create without yeah. doing any of the work around the, the three A's. And so it's a, it's such a wasted time uh, because yeah. you, you're then left with the stories that have been the prevailing narratives anyway. And the moment you get tired, those old That's stories right. keep running the same process they've always been doing. The best analogy I've ever come up with to explain that is um, when, when the river, you know, goes through all kinds of havoc and destroys everything in this town, you know, we can spend a lot of time, money and energy on fixing everything the river destroyed, mm -hmm. or we can go upstream 
to where the problem is starting, fix that. And then the downstream takes care of itself. Mm. And that to me is it's always an upstream downstream reality. Yeah. Right. So good. Uh, I'm aware of the time. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd, uh, We're talkers, right? Yeah. I wish we had more time today. It's, it's, <laughs> it's great. Um, what, what else? What, if, there was, if there was something that you'd love to leave with the listeners about maybe starting the process, maybe if people find themselves stuck somewhere, um, where would be the course correction, do you think, to, to draw them back into the process? You know, can I just, so I want to say something that kind of encapsulates what you guys were just talking about. Um, and I think it speaks, this maybe speaks to individual self-acceptance. I think that the reason that we go into behavioral management and modification um, as a quick remedy is because we are resisting pain. And, you know, and we, we look at the behavior as the pain point, right? I, you know, I do this or I do that. And then I feel like garbage and I self-sabotage and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm such a horrible human being. So as human beings, it's an interesting thing that we, we try to resist that emotional pain and we perceive the pain as the behavior. But, you know, I, if I could really just send the message to people who are going through this journey is to really understand that human, human pain is not a bad thing. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you lesser than. We accept the fact that we go to the gym and we work our muscles and our muscles are going to be sore the next day. We love that pain. So if we can learn to not beat ourselves up and self-loathe when we have the pain of going through the journey of self-transformation, I think people would be able to expedite the process for themselves because it becomes this endless loop of i feel pain i got to fix the behavior oh wait i feel more pain as a, as opposed to learning that pain is okay that's that's part of the journey part of the process it doesn't define who we are and i'll give my answer by saying this because it, it actually comes off of what you said perfectly there there's this um there's this fun parable in Taoism that i particularly enjoy and i'll just kind of get to the the punchline, uh, where Lao Tzu basically tells us that we should learn to be more amused with ourselves. That the more we bring amusement uh, in self-reflection, the more disinterested we grow in the nonsense of it all. And I know that sounds like cheeky to, to people who might be going through challenging times, but I'd honestly ask you to give a shot to, to being amused at how crazy we can all feel sometimes. And if we do that, we bring some levity to it. Um, you, you might be surprised how disinterested you grow in the in the calamity of it all sooner than you think. Uh, that is such a wonderful place to leave the conversation because often there's so much angst and frustration and even self judgment people carry about why they are the way they are, and that just clouds the ability to improve and change. So to to bring that levity and to be dispassionate about your own stuff, um, then it leads into the ability to have a look more clearly. So, uh, look, we're out of time. I'm, I'm super grateful that you, you made the space. Your work uh, has changed oh, my life you. and it has changed uh, countless lives through, through my work. Um, so I want to honour your, your work in the world and uh, it makes me emotional thinking about uh, people like you. I, I, I love watching you from afar. Uh, I love the way you do marriage. I love the way you do life. Um, I, I love the work you're doing in the world and I think uh, it gives me hope. Um, I was reading Moore's law. I don't know whether you've come across Moore's law about technology, that technology uh, is, will, will reproduce. Uh, will, the rate of technology doubles um, exponentially 
uh, this is a very poor analogy of Moore's law, but the point is um, we're on a, an exponential growth in the world of technology. Um, it's incredibly scary what, what we'll be capable of technologically, but if we don't find a way to grow our human consciousness at the same rate, uh, it's going to be catastrophic. So mm-hmm. I think uh, there is great need for people like yourselves in, in the world doing good work and, and raising the collective consciousness of the planet. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. The aim of the game is to show up to life unhindered by doubt, fear and insecurity so that you can be at your best where it matters most. Now, if you're ready to begin the work of becoming unhindered in your life, The Unhindered Short Course is an eight-part video series designed to help you do exactly that. And at only $99 for a limited time, it's an offer too good to refuse. For more information, go to theinsecurityproject.com.